Now, this morning, my subject is why Christians struggle. Um, this morning, we also will be partaking of the Lord's Supper. Uh, God has given us this celebration to remind us that we are one in Christ with all believers around the world. Here at Grace Bible, we use one loaf of bread representing Christ as a visual aid. And then he broke it and he, to show that his body would be broken. And then he's distributed the bread to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. It is a reminder of the day that each one of us came to Christ and were added into the body of Christ. So on the first Sunday of every month, uh, our goal is to have communion service. And there we are reminded not only that Christ died for our sins, but the, we are one in the body of Christ. In uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 17, the Bible says, since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And then the Bible says here in Hebrews 9, 22, or Matthew, excuse me, Matthew 9, 20, 26, 28, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we come here and we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that our sins are forever forgiven, forever. And then the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So we are reminded that Christ went to the cross and died for our sins. His sacrifice secured our forgiveness forever. The cup of the new covenant means that we are totally forgiven people. We are in a state of forgiveness. And uh, the problem that we have with sometimes with the communion service is that some use it as an occasion uh, to confess and Make sure their sins are all cleaned up and cleared up before God, before they partake of it. The Lord's Supper was never intended for that. The Lord's Supper was given to us as a remembrance of him, not remembering all of our sins and confessing and begging God to forgive them because we are already forgiven. So it's a time of thanking Jesus for what he has done for us. It's a time for praising him for the life that he has given to us, this new life in Christ that he has given to us. It seems that through the years, I, I have gone back, I have a commentary set of all the great preachers from years ago, and I like to, occasionally I like to go in there and I like to Take, pick out one of the preachers and read their sermons and see what they were preaching back in the 1700s and the 1800s and the early 1900s. And it's sort of an inspiration in a way to see 
that their understanding of the gospel is pretty much the same as our understanding of the gospel. Uh, in some cases, we get a different story also. But it is a, it's amazing to me how far Christianity has gone through the years away from, away from some of the truths that uh, the early pioneers knew and, and taught. There are common misconceptions about the Lord's Supper, about the teaching of salvation, about security, our identity in Christ, and a lot of confusion about the flesh. So this morning, I'm going to focus on some of the misunderstandings of the flesh. You see, the Christian struggle is really with the flesh. And sometimes I think we really don't understand the flesh and how it works. And so this morning I want to focus, before we take the Lord's Supper, I want to focus on the flesh. The key to experiencing victory in Christ lies in learning how we actually walk in newness of life because we are all new in Christ. So how do we walk that walk? How do we do something that we have already received? I mean, we've already received our eternal life. We've already seen, we have, we've seen God's righteousness. We are complete in him. We're all those things. And yet we have to learn how to walk. And the reason we have to learn how to walk that most of us, most of us here and every Christian everywhere, we are operating out of a earthly techniques that we have learned before we were a Christian. And some of you that were Christians most of your life, you still... You still had some techniques that you used to satisfy your need for love and acceptance and self-esteem, which is one of the greatest uh, needs there is in life, to have a good self-esteem, to know who you are. And so our old self are the former choices and patterns of thinking and strategies for living that we somehow learned as we were growing up. And so that's why all of us are so different. We, when, we, when we figure out our personalities, we look at it and we say, well, the personality of an individual is sort of what strategies they have used to get through life. And so we are, not only are we, we different, but we don't understand why we do some of the things that we do. And so we have been programmed in a certain way, and now the Bible says to us that we need to reprogram some of our thinking. And that's what we deal with with the flesh. But let's start at the very beginning. Man consists, I think most of us here believe, that man is a body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, there are some believers who believe there's just two parts, not three parts. 
They call it the inner man and the outer man. They call it the soul and the body. And there are believers who accept only the two-part, not the three-part. And so uh, we're going to look into that just a little bit so we can understand it. But there is room in Scripture that you can embrace both. And that's why we have a whole lot of Christians who believe in just the two parts. The inner man, the outer man, the outer man being the physical shell, the inner man is being everything else. And so there's only the two parts. They go back into Genesis when God created man. He created man and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And so that's the two part um, that many people have adopted. So <clears throat> we know what the body is. It is our physical shell. Or some have described it, and I like when I read that, they call it the earth suit. So it's our shell. And so we know what that is. We know, we have an idea what the soul is. The Greek word for soul is suke. And what that, it's the same word for psychology. And that's where we get the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. In other words, it's our ability to think and to choose and to feel. So your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. You have a, you can think, you have a chooser, and you have a feeler. Now, we have a human spirit, so man consists, I believe, consists of a body, soul, and spirit. Well, this idea about the two-part, we're going to see this morning, that could be somewhat of a problem. But we're going to look at it. So, <clears throat> we understand what the body is. It's a physical shell. But there's, there's a lot of things that have a shell. I mean, fruits and vegetables have a shell. But do they have a soul? No. Well, what about animals? Well, any of you that are pet lovers and animal lovers and you have pets, you're convinced that that pet can think, can feel, and they have emotions. I've actually heard, I've never seen it, I've actually heard that dogs cry, but I've never seen that. And so we have the animals, they have a body, they have a shell, they have a body, and they have a soul. And um, our definition, let's keep in mind, our definition of the soul is the ability to think, to choose, and to feel. Now, I have uh, several animals on my farm. I have cows, and I have calves. And um, the other night, I went up on the field with my, my four-wheeler, and I had the lights on. It was dark and everything. And all of a sudden, those cows just came out of the woods, and uh, they surrounded me. Um, I have 10, 11 lambs, and I have a donkey. And um, my grandchildren, they came up, 
and uh, my youngest one is Emily. And um, she was in there, and she was trying to pet the sheep, and the sheep were running around, and there's a couple of them that would let her do it and everything. And then she looked over at the donkey, and she said, what about Bob? And uh, I thought of that movie, What About Bob? And I started laughing, and I said, yeah, what about Bob? And Bob is a donkey. He's a cute little guy. He's very arrogant. He's very stubborn, and he really thinks that he's something because he's been brought up with, or the sheep were brought up under him, and when, when, uh, when Bob gets a little irritated, he'll kick the sheep. And uh, he wants to make sure that they know who's the boss. And so one day I was feeding the, the lambs, and obviously Bob wanted me to know that he's, he's still the boss. And so he put his head up in the air, he walked by me, and I, and I looked out, and he was looking at me, and he had his head up in the air, and he kicked me in the leg. And so my natural reaction was I kicked him back. And I kicked him harder than he kicked me. And he's been mad at me ever since. And so now when I go out there, Bob gets in front of me and he kicks both legs up to just to show me that he's still mad at me. And then two days ago I went up and he allowed me, precious Bob allowed me to brush him down. Now, I know that Bob, he, he, he thinks, and I know that Bob, he chooses, and I know that he feels because I think he still feels that boot that I got him with when he kicked me. So what makes us different then? What makes us separate from the animals? Well, <clears throat> we have a human spirit. We were born with a human spirit, and the Bible says that we had to be born again. Now, what is it that had to be born again? We were born with a spirit. The Bible refers to it as Adam's spirit. In other words, we were born with a propensity to do evil. We sinned before any of us knew what sin was all about. And so the Bible says that we are body, soul, and spirit. And, that, and then in Ezekiel 36, 26, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So this is what takes place when we are born again. We are given a new heart and we are given a new human spirit. And the Bible says here that I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. So the Bible says here, that he's going to cause us because he's given this new human heart. He has filled us with the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit working within us causes us to want to do what God wants us to do. 
We don't need a law. We don't need anything. It's just there. It's within us. We have been born again. But the problem is that our bodies are not born again. Now, we have the same body after salvation as, as we did before salvation. We have the same mind. We have the same will. We have the same emotions. So our soul, our soul is not born again. What is born again is that human spirit that we now have the spirit of Christ dwelling within us. Now it's important that we understand this because otherwise we get all confused. So we are body, soul, and spirit. When we were born again, our spirit was born again. Not our body, not our mind, None of those things. Did we get a new personality when we were converted? No. We have the same personality, the same likes, the same hobbies, the same everything, even after we were converted. We have some of the same ungodly thoughts. We have some of the same desires that we had before we became a Christian. And when you were born again, your second birth determines your present spiritual identity. So when you're born again, you receive this new heart, this new human spirit, and you were born anew. You may not have understood everything, but you are changed. You got a new identity. You are now a child of God. That's who you are. Romans 6 says this in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. This is important, that we believe and accept and grab a hold of this. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. When we were in Adam, we were slaves to sin. Now that we are in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. We still sin, but we are not slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. And what Paul is saying is that our identification with Christ means that we are no longer dominated by sin. Again, we still sin. I have, no, I have never known anyone who stopped. We still sin. But we are not dominated by sin. Our tie to Adam is over, is broken. And we put on the new self, which is Christ. Now, progress in the Christian life will come when we learn to live out this new relationship that God has put us in. We are now dominated by Christ and not Adam. 
God is working a change within us. He is, the Bible says, He is recreating us into His image. But here's the problem. You've heard me say, since I've been here, that there are scriptures that tell us that we are born again, perfect forever. We are blameless. We are one spirit with the Lord. We are complete. And we are sealed unto the day of redemption. I've said that over and over and over again. And then there are scriptures that tell us that we are learning, we are growing. We are in the process of renewing our minds. And so this is a difficult part for those who just cling to the two parts. Because you can't put these two these scriptures together. But when you have body, body, soul, and spirit, you can. And they fit perfectly. Because both of these things are true. Spiritually, God has, when you asked him to come into your life, he has come in. He has cleaned house. He's forgiven you all of your sins. That's a done deal. And you are everything that God says you are. You are holy. He's not pretending you are holy. You are holy. You are complete. At your deepest core, where Christ, where you communicate with God, you are everything that God says that you are. You are blameless. You are holy. God, had, when he came in, he made you holy at your deepest core. And that's where your conversion took place. But your mind and your will and emotions, they were not born again. They were not born again. There's a process about the renewing, learning, growing. And that is your soul that's in the process. It's not you. It's not who you are at your deepest core. It is your soul that's going through that process. You are everything that God says that you are at your deepest core. Our new heart and our new human spirit settled our destiny. The Bible says that when we received Christ as our personal Savior, he gave us the gift of eternal life. So our destiny is settled. Our behavior. I mean, there are some times that we choose to walk after the flesh. We have that choice. We can choose whether to walk after the flesh or walk after the spirit. And that's why sometimes people get so confused. Because when this world hits you, and sometimes it hits us hard, and when it hits us hard, we go back to the programming that we had before we go back to how we made it work before we were converted. And that is when we walk in the flesh. When we go back and try to work things out without God. We are walking by the flesh. And God says that he wants us to walk 
by the Spirit. So no matter what your walk as on any given day, it has absolutely nothing to do with your destiny. It has nothing to do with your relationship with God. It's secure. It's sound. He moved in. You're made holy. You're everything that God wants you to be at your deepest core. It's your soul that is in the process of being renewed. It's your soul that needs to be reprogrammed. And that's what we're doing every time we meet together, every time you talk with the Lord, every time that you study the word, you are renewing. It's a process of renewing. You are being reminded of who you really are. Not who you think you are at times. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and we are all in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And those new things will continue to come as long as you're alive. And so <clears throat> we can walk after the spirit or we can walk after the flesh. We make a lot of wrong choices. There's no question about it. A lot of times when, when we get tired, when we overwork, when uh, there's just a lot of things that take place within us and it causes us to rely upon the flesh. And so we're in a process of walking. One, one day, everything sounds, seems good. The next day, the whole world comes at us. We're walking in the spirit and sometimes we're relying upon our flesh and we're walking after the flesh. Now, a lot of times people think that there's something wrong with them. I mean, sometimes our emotions are all over the place because of what happens. Uh, when Bob kicked me, my emotions were all over the place. I wanted to kick Bob back. Um, so uh, we can't rely upon our emotions. They are not who we are. No, who we are is we are in Christ and we are everything that Christ says that we are. That's who we are. Our soul, our mind, our will and emotions, they go all over the place. And sometimes it, it, it's a real battle. The Bible tells us that it's a battle. The choices we make, whether we walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh, is simply why the Bible tells us in Romans 12, 2. It says here, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that the will of God is, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The flesh is what hinders us from seeing and believing who we are in Christ. Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times, especially when I was a, a new Christian, I would say, what in the world is wrong with me? 
um, I would be going through things and I would say, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Sometimes we're up and down. We're, we're all over the place in our emotions. And so the first thing we think about, wow, am I really born again? How in the world can I be going through all of this, having all these questions, having all these doubts, having everything? Am I really born again? That has nothing to do with whether you're being born again or not. At your deepest core, you desire, God has already put that in your heart, you desire to do the things of God. That's your desire. You don't always do them, but that's what you desire to do because that's who you are at your deepest core. Does that make sense? That's who you are. Now, it's easy for us to go back and use those strategies that we used before we were converted to find love, to find acceptance. It's easy for us to go back. And most of us do. Most of us do go back. But the thing is that we need to understand that has nothing to do with who we are in Christ. It's part of that process that process of growing and learning. I mean, one of, the, one of the blessings that I have found in my later years has been studying the scripture anew, getting a whole new look at everything. There's sometimes that I have just set that Bible apart. I didn't want to read it for a long time. I've went months without reading, reading the Bible. I just, I just didn't, didn't want to go there. I was, going, I was listening to the flesh. And now recently it's been a whole new experience for me. It's never over. It's never over. No matter how long we live, it's never over. The Bible says in Galatians 5.17... For the, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So the Bible says that's our battle. The flesh and the spirit is going back and forth, going back and forth. And what it does, it takes, it takes us backwards we go back to the way that we were used to handling life. We go back to the way of how we handled our low self-esteem if we had it. How we handle love. So we're constantly going back. But it has nothing to do with your standing before God. You are everything at your deepest core that God wants you to be. He loves you just the way you are. And I know that sometimes we say, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't even love myself the way I am. How can God love me? But he does. He loves you just the way you are. He's not asking you to change. He says, I will recreate you into my image. And what is he doing now? What, what is he recreating? That new spirit that God gave you. He's, re he's developing it. He's recreating it for you. 
and you are growing in God's grace. The flesh and its way of thinking are not going to go away. I wish they would, but they're not going away. In fact, so the Bible says in Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. This is the process that each one of us are going through. It's a great process. It's a wonderful thing what God is doing. We just need to relax and believe what he's doing. And believe that we're okay. Because that's what the Bible is trying to tell us. The Bible is trying to tell us, you're okay. You're okay. You've experienced a conversion. You were born again. You are okay. It's the other people that are not okay that are not born again. They've got a real serious problem on their hand. But you and I, we're okay. It's time for us to celebrate being okay. And not worried about some of the things that we do or some of the things that we think. God is in the process of changing all of that. So, the bottom line is, you are what God says you are. He says you are holy. He says you are complete. He says that you are blameless. You are one with Christ. The Bible goes so far as to say you are united with him. You are united with him. And that's who you really are. This process of growing and learning is your soul. It's not you. It's your soul. And God is doing a wonderful job with us. We just got to believe it. So we need to think of the truth. When the world comes at us, we think of, wait a minute. God says that I'm a new creation. Yeah, I'm going backwards here. I'm, I'm thinking before I was converted. I'm thinking of how I handled things before. I don't need to handle things like that anymore because I'm safe and secure. I am rock solid in Christ. Rock solid. We are united. Christ is living in us and his only desire is for us to open up a little bit and let him live his life through us. And we'll see just how wonderful and great God is. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we praise you, we thank you for everything. Bless us now. Meet the needs that each one of us have. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.